so you, so you live near Raleigh-ish, and that's where, is that where Human Coalition, is that where? We're based in Dallas, actually. based in Dallas, okay. Yeah, so, but I I live in the Triangle area. I'm on okay. the outside of it, close to mm-hmm. Durham and Chapel Hill. Okay. okay, but I assume that Raleigh, that they have a Raleigh office. We have a clinic in Raleigh and a clinic okay. in Charlotte. Yeah, so Connor, Wait, which Dallas are you based out of? Okay, I want to make sure. There's a Dallas, North or South Carolina. North actually. Carolina, there yeah, it's a Dallas, North Carolina. There, there yeah, so I just Dallas. I wanted to make sure. I was like, well, I mean, we are talking about North Carolina cities here. True, it yeah. would make sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're a national organization, um, active in uh, around sixty states now. It's a good amount of states. Sixteen to eighteen changes. We're growing really fast. Yeah. So, um, but I handle strategic partnerships for the Southeast. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think the. I think we were telling you this beforehand. The reason how we found you um, is I have a panda obsession that Connor is very aware That's of. That's what Eden told me. That's the reason you got yeah. the panda sticker. No, and so I, I know I saw that I in the bag. I only had one. So I was like. <gasps> it was destiny. That's the reason it was made for on me. your bag. Yay. I'm so that excited. The students t- took them all from our table. Unbelievable. So, Unbelievable. Um, so you got my one panda sticker. Yay. Um, but she got me that shirt. And then I ended up reaching out, and then obviously we oh, podcasted. Neat. So we now are in contact with you, and that's how we first discovered awesome. Human Coalition. I mean, you said it, that it's growing pretty fast, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more and more women need our help. Yeah. And we want to be there for them as much as we possibly can. Yeah, no, that's awesome. You said 16, 16 states. Um, I'm going to assume you guys are probably in California? California. We do have some partners in California. Okay, so. okay. Because we went to the, now, Connor, I don't think you were there, um, which was sad. But you guys do have a really, like, nice clinic in Charlotte. Yes. Did you come? I did. I I got to go. um, And this may sound really horrible. When I think of clinic, I just kind of always think of, like, very. um, Sterile. Yeah. 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 But when I went into there, like, it was not at all like that. It was, like. Very like warm and welcoming. It was just so nice. But I was like, dang, I wish, <laughs> I wish my, I wish my doctor's office right. was like this. Right. But it was, it was really nice. You guys have done a good job with that one. I can't speak for the other, um, you know what? 15 they states. all have the same decor. The clinics that we operate. Okay. Uh huh. That's yeah, awesome. Because we, you know, in serving women who are facing unexpected pregnancies, you know, this is a very complex situation. Yeah. Um, it's difficult. And so we want her to feel as comfortable and loved and welcome as possible. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that's that's good. And I know we kind of briefly said a little bit about Human Coalition, but because we've heard about a lot of different organizations, like the biggest right. one is Live Action. Every, right. I feel like even even leftists know about Live we Action. We love mm. Live Action. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what what more specifically does Human Coalition do compared okay. to like other organizations that right. are out there? Right. Well, we're we're the largest pro woman pro life organization in the nation, and so what we do, um, in a nutshell, is we reach women online while they are searching for an abortion clinic. Okay. So our client is someone who is headed that direction and so we reach her through direct marketing and when she calls us she's immediately brought into a life-affirming compassionate system of care Mm -hmm. where she's offered help and resources 
Um, if it's in an area where we operate our own clinic, uh, she comes in and she sees our nurses. And if it's an area where we have a partner pregnancy resource clinic, she'll go in there. And what's really neat is in addition to a traditional pregnancy resource center model where we have an ultrasound, you know, of course, confirm her pregnancy, mm-hmm. you know, have compassionate counseling and information. We also have a really neat thing called our continuum of care program, and that is run by licensed social workers who are immediately talking to her about, you know, are you safe? Do you have a place to live? Mm. You know, what can we help you with right now, today, that is driving you, potentially driving you to this decision? Right. I care about you enough. Go for it. <laughs> I, I, people got to hear what you're Go saying for there. It. Awesome. Um, that sounds yeah. great. That sounds great. Because there's, there's a specific part in there um, that I'm, I'm particularly interested in, um, and it's, it's the continuing care. Yes. That was the thing when I learned about you guys that I was like, oh, that's, that's really interesting mm-hmm. because I feel like uh, the left makes this argument a lot. And I think, to be honest, I think there's some merit to it to an extent where – um, not not for, it's it's not good merit to kill a kid. That that's not that's not really. But they're bringing up an interesting point of like, well, how, okay, you have them. They get to save their kid. Great. What what are you going to do for them after that? And so that was something that I thought was very interesting. So you want to exactly. delve into that a little bit? <laughs> exactly. I love that. Yeah, yeah. We we want to tear down that narrative because basically, you know, the abortion industry is telling her one thing, mm-hmm. and that is you can't. You can't do this. You can't have this child and have, I don't know, name it, your career, finish your education, a family, your hopes and dreams, and all of those things. Basically, they're telling women, you know, that you really need to have the right to take the life of your own child in order to fully participate in society. We could have an entire conversation about how anti-woman that is. Okay, so our belief is that we should empower women Um, and give them the resources that they need over the long term. So our goal, I talked about reaching her online, um, and then through this process we'll rescue her child, prayerfully rescue her child through offering her these support and and resources, and then restore her to a place of financial health, um, spiritual health, Mm -hmm. you know, restore her to a place of independence where she is empowered to do this. Here's an interesting statistic, and one that, you know, if you, if you remember nothing else from this, 76% of the women that we see, now remember the women that we see are abortion determined, would prefer to parent if their circumstances were different. Hmm. So think about that. I don't have a place to live. I'm worried I can't pay the rent. I don't have transportation. I don't have child care. I don't have support. It, you know, single moms, I think, are remain one of the most misunderstood <laughs> segments of our society. These women are courageous. It's tough to be a single mom. Mm. And so for us to say, and that's not, you know, all of our clients are not single. Some do have a partner. Some are married. But in many cases, we have someone who's looking at supporting this child and poten- potentially is already supporting others on her own. So it's our duty to be there for her and to walk alongside her in this process, to lift her up, to say, you can do this, and we're going to be with you. And, you know, this past November, Human Coalition celebrated a huge milestone. We were founded in 2009, 
And this past November, we crossed the milestone of rescuing 25,000 children. That's awesome. Through this model of helping their moms. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. It is. It's exciting. It's definitely something to celebrate. So uh, when you say walk alongside, um, you know, pretty vague in terms, what does that practically look like? Any number of things. Okay. So um, it's not just the things I mentioned before. Um, our, our social workers, our continuum of care professionals, um, they, it's a casework model, okay, where she is assigned to one continuum of care professional, a licensed social worker. And every mom is different. You know, these, mm-hmm. it's, it's not a, a one-size-fits-all situation. So it could be calling local nonprofits and churches for help with housing. Um, that is the number one need right now. You ask anyone who's caring for women facing unexpected pregnancies, the need for housing or feeling insecure in housing is the number one need. Okay. Um, child care is huge. Who is going to watch this child if I have this baby? There's no one in my family I would trust them with. Okay. Um, transportation. How am I going to get back and forth to work? We have employment specialists that actually help her with her resume. Let's look at your strengths. Let's look at your needs. Let's get you signed up for your GED class. Um, let's make sure you have health care. You know, like there's a lot of forms that need to be filled out for this sort of thing. We'll walk alongside them through that entire process. So the logistics of getting on her feet. We also have a volunteer network. Um, we'll do things, um, baby showers. We'll give her a basket of items that she needs, car seats, you know, pack and plays, all that kind of thing. Babies are expensive and they require a lot of stuff. <laughs> So we'll help along those lines. Um, We'll connect her to a church community if she desires that. Um, And we think that's, you know, a very crucial part of what we do is is partnering with local nonprofits and churches, really in many ways to bring the pieces together. Because Mm -hmm. when you're in crisis, particularly if you have suffered some sort of trauma, you need someone to come alongside you and help you with these things. And uh, it's our honor to do that for her. Yeah, that's really cool. So you said 25,000 kids. Does that mean there's 25,000 kids or families that you're still working with currently and ongoing? It's or is there is there a point where services do, do kind of end? Our continuum of care program is designed to last three years with mm-hmm. the goal of complete independence. But anytime someone reaches out to us, you know, they, they have our phone number. Um, and it's our privilege to be there with them. Yeah, but you're trying to, like you said, you're trying to get them independent. And That's trying the to goal. Get them to kind of, you know, uh, what's what's the phrase? You know, we can you give a man a fish, eats for a day. Right. Teach him how to fish, exactly. eats for life. And exactly. That's kind of the kind of yeah. the idea. It's really neat though. Um, we've stayed in touch with families, mm-hmm. and so uh, to be able to just hear from moms down the road. You have a little girl now who's going into middle school. Oh, um, you know, it's really neat. A mom sent us some. Um, a fifth grade school picture recently and you know it's just really neat uh, to hear those stories um, and and to hear the mom stories and many of those can be found on our website at humancoalition.org there's lots of client stories and moms telling their own stories about their experiences with us no that's really that's really cool and I think we kind of want to circle back to the more more of the practical needs of of these moms um but I think a lot of that is going to stem from a much, not bigger issue, but a bigger event 
uh, which was the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Right. We did an episode on it. I actually wasn't even in studio. Connor did it <laughs> because we had to get something out wow, so job. fast. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and he and he took on that episode, and right. we were just, we were so... Surprised. Yeah, surprised. Mm-hmm. That would be the word, because we just never thought that this would happen in our lifetime, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we never thought it, it, it also felt really sudden too. Yeah, it, it did a little bit, but maybe it's because we just weren't paying attention. I don't know. It's maybe. possible, but it was just like, you know, it, one day it's legal and the next day there's a leak from the justices that yeah, they're going yeah, over, the to overturn it. And you're definitely like, sudden. Yeah. So yeah. The okay. Progression, the progression <laughs> of events, you know, uh, I was actually in D.C. in early December of 2021 when they mm-hmm. did the hearing. Oh, it was wow. really interesting. Where we were standing outside the Supreme Court, and they had this little barricade, and they had, you know, they separated the two sides. <laughs> and uh. um, but but you could hear the hearing over mm-hmm. over loudspeakers, and um, it was fascinating. I'm not an attorney, uh, but um, our national legislative director is. Thank God, so I'm standing next to her. Look, Wanting the expert legal opinion. It's like, what's <laughs> and, happening? And everyone seemed to agree, um, even the other side reluctantly, that the way the hearing went then, wow, yeah, this is definitely a possibility. Yeah. And then when the leak came out, that was a huge surprise. Right. And it's never happened before, right? Yeah, and then, no, no. Mm-hmm. And then they still haven't gotten to the bottom of that. But then those of us who, um, who do this full time, uh, definitely, we're on the uh, the Scotus blog, Twitter feed every decision <laughs> yeah, day, you know, and you're clicking refresh, 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 and it got to the point by June 24th, you're like, okay, well, there's not much left, you know, what are, what are we going to do here? Right. And um, I remember we were actually on uh, our a prayer, our staff was praying together that morning. And uh, we hadn't started praying yet. I promise I was not clicking refresh on the Twitter feed. (laughs) We were were talking about prayer requests and everything. And then it came through. It came through. And, you know, the Constitution does not confer a right to abortion. And and it just, it was surreal. Mm -hmm. Surreal. And so, um, you know, it took a while, I think, for all of us to, to let it sink in what the consequences would be of mm-hmm. this because really what it did is it, it shifted this the decision to the states mm-hmm. so all of a sudden we had in many ways 51 battlefields i guess you could say because we're still certainly uh, right. advocating for um life-saving legislation on capitol hill so you have all these different states to keep up with <laughs> And yeah. what they're doing well, and how they're responding. We can't to this. keep up with them. So we're hoping yeah. that you okay. could and uh, <laughs> that you would, you would <laughs> let you. us know what's going on because just kind of give us give us the landscape of what's going on here. Because okay. Roe v. Wade, like you said, I think I learned more about Roe v. Wade in twenty twenty one. Was it twenty twenty one? Did it did it get over twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two? It was June twenty fourth or twenty twenty two. That's what yeah, I thought. Okay, because you said December twenty twenty one, and then my that head was went, the hearing. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. Yep, yep. Of course, I knew that. <laughs> I, I knew that, guys. I knew that. Um, okay, so twenty twenty two, this happens, and then suddenly, like you said, tons of battlegrounds, but not just battlegrounds. Also, looking at what states were allowing abortion up to what time, where are the clinics located, and where are these states located next to more um, pro-life states? Exactly. So 
kind of exactly. give us give us like uh, give it to us give us the overview here in many ways that's kind of like a moving target because anything could change even tomorrow uh, but but the truth of the matter is right now still uh, about three quarters of all states uh, still allow for abortions in nearly all cases and so um, that's the unfortunate truth but the good news is that 12 states now uh, protect children in the womb at all stages of pregnancy. What, what, uh, what uh, states would those be? All 12 of them. I don't have written That's okay. down like for the you, ones, but the like ones Tennessee, yeah. okay? Okay. Tennessee yeah. Texas, Oklahoma. Those are ones that have, have done uh, life at conception acts, okay? And so that's, that's all stages of pregnancy. Then you have states like Georgia, which has a heartbeat bill in effect, okay? Right. So, mm-hmm. that's, so that would be at the time that the baby's heartbeat can be detected, which is usually around six weeks. Uh, and then you've got 12 states to restrict at various times between 15 and 24 weeks, like the state where we're located right now in North Carolina, abortion is legal up until 20 weeks. And that will not change unless our state legislature decides to change it. Um, 25 states allow, including in the District of Columbia, uh, allow abortion through all or most of pregnancy. Mm. So we're talking really all nine months. And so you know, for any reason. And, and that is actually the, the belief and the platform of the pro-abortion movement. I mean, they push against any restrictions on abortion whatsoever. And um, so that has created a situation where some states have become abortion destinations, either through geography, okay, such as you have a state that, let's say, like, like North Carolina allows abortion up to 20 weeks, mm-hmm. but then you have Georgia, you know, which has a ban. I mean, Georgia has a heartbeat. Tennessee has a ban. So all of a sudden we have a big increase mm-hmm. right. in the number of women seeking abortion here. Or you could have a state um, like New York or California. They haven't become a destination necessarily because of geography. It's because of choice. They want to be abortion destinations. That's their choice. They've set themselves up that way. California has actually spent uh, up to $20 million dollars to welcome women from other states into their state uh, into their state who are seeking abortion, um, Oregon has instituted a fifteen million dollar reproductive health equity fund, is what they're calling it. New York is spending thirty five million dollars to increase abortion services and invest in uh, safety at their clinics. So, so this is this is our landscape right now. You know, okay, we look at the United States of America. Yeah, mm. <laughs> and you have some states that have reacted one way. And then you have others that are completely on the other side of the pendulum and then some in between. But that decision is closer to the people mm-hmm. than it it's is. ever been. Yeah. And um, philosophically, on a number of lev- levels, you know, that is something that, that, that we want, that we agree with. Um, but we also are very realistic in, and admit that in some cases that's not going to work out in the favor of our preborn children. Right. Because I think it just depends. It depends on the state. But here's the thing that I think boggles my mind, and I don't know what your thoughts would be on this, where I feel like the states like California, New York, you know, those are the ones that make the rounds in the news the most when it comes to abortion. Um, Okay. And and it's because it's – they're so radical. Um, Like California, you know, they'll – you know, they'll let you kill the kid outside the womb, you know, if, if it makes it out alive. You know, it's it's really scary stuff. Um, is that currently? I believe so, yeah. I'm trying to remember. It's actually the case in many states. 
which mm-hmm. is unfortunately that have not been able to pass born alive uh, legislation, which mm-hmm. by the way was just voted on again in the United States House of Representatives uh, a few weeks ago. Well, and where did that land? Well, the Republicans have control of the House, and so of course that passed. But uh, every single Democrat member of the House uh, voted against that legislation. That's crazy. And um, you know, it's but it's just indicative of a lack of we're, we just don't value the preborn, and so we go down to a very deep level. If you really want to think about it, where does value begin? Okay, does it begin when the heartbeat? Does it begin at conception? Embryology, the science of embryology shows us that we have a distinct, living, precious human being from the moment of conception. And um, the question is, you know, a lot of people are talking about abortion bans. Okay, when when is this state or that state going to ban abortion? I say we flip that. We ask ourselves a question. When is that state going to start protecting preborn children in their state? Think of it that way. When is that state government going to act to protect? See what I mean? Yeah. Yeah? Mm-hmm. That's what we're really thinking about here. Um, but, you know, in addition to some of these more extreme states that are allowing abortion for any reason up until the, the point of birth, we also see a very frightening uh, reduction of regulations particularly around the chemical abortion pill, which is very dangerous. Yeah, actually, I'd love for you to actually talk to us a little bit about that. I will definitely talk to you about that. Um, The chemical abortions account for over 50% of abortions right now, but it's rising quickly. Mm -hmm. We're we're looking at that going up and up and up. Is it because of what happened with Roe v. Wade or... Or is it just rising in general because of its accessibility? or It's the accessibility, okay. okay? which in many cases states are lessening restrictions. Um, and, and also a lot of that goes back to the Biden administration. So all of a sudden, okay, um, the FDA has changed regulations on these pills that have been in place for years, okay? Such as, you know, this needs to only be used after a certain weeks of gestation, and here's the rules around it, and, and you need to confirm the the date of gestation before you give these pills. They're very dangerous. They're always dangerous for the preborn child, but they're also dangerous for women. And so now reducing these restrictions, we actually have situations uh, in New York and I believe California also where they're being dispensed from student health centers on university campuses. Um, You probably heard it hit the news that um, they're going to be dispensed in many states from CVS. Yeah, that's a big one. Okay, this is not Tylenol. Yeah, I was this gonna. Is, I was gonna ask that. This is a dangerous. This is this is a dangerous situation that is actually more dangerous than a surgical abortion. Now, remind reminding everyone that every abortion results in ending the life of a precious preborn baby, but the lack of concern for the health and safety of women is absolutely mind-boggling. When you think about what happens, you know, many women report um, severe pain. There's hemorrhaging. I won't go into all of the gory details, but you think about women being able to access these pills in some states, but through mail order. Mm-hmm. Okay, they don't even know where it came from. They don't even know if it's a real pill. And then they, they really are just, I mean, is anybody's best guess what their gestation is? You know, mm-hmm. a lot of times women yeah. get that wrong. You know, no, no, that's just, true. Yeah. It's like, well, you know, yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I think my last period was hit then, but I don't really remember. Right, right. So so we're guessing the gestational age. 
And then you're talking about women in college who were living in group situations. I don't know what your college situation was like. I lived at home. You lived at home. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now a lot of universities have kind of nicer situations, but back in my day, um, and 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 I believe in in certain plenty of universities now, we had like that typical hall full of full of students, and then everybody shared a bathroom at the end of the hall. She doesn't even have a private bathroom to go through this in. It's dangerous. It's painful. It's, this is, this is just, it's not an easy situation. Right. And, um, but the abortion industry has one goal, and that is to increase the accessibility of abortion as much as possible with disregard for the health and safety of women. Uh, so we're very concerned about where this will go. Uh, one of our partners, Students for Life, has been talking quite a bit about the environmental impact. That's of interesting. Having human waste. Well, I guess I guess my might be asking a stupid question. Uh, where is it going? Into uh, our water and sewer system. Yeah, it's gonna. It would be a similar issue to what all of the um, birth control pills have done to the water system. Oh, Which really? Anything that oh. we anything that we put into the water system, and so, you know, that is it's gruesome to think about. It's tough to think about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, at this point, I would just like to pause in case anyone is listening to this who has a personal story with abortion, okay, and to say that we have nothing but love and compassion for you and what you have gone through. Um, it's, it's a very, very painful experience. And, um, I, you know, we are a faith-based organization. Uh, I'm a person of faith, and I always take an opportunity, uh, no matter where I'm on in some airwaves, <laughs> to remind people that if you have had an abortion, um, God's grace is greater than any of our sin. And he is there for you, um, and, and he will forgive you. Um, none of us are perfect. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but his grace and his redemption are there. And there is healing to be found. And there, there's some amazing organizations. I recently got to know the leaders of an organization called Save One um, that, that have post-abortive healing groups. And it's pretty amazing uh, to see uh, the journey that many courageous people have taken to healing after this procedure. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I appreciate yeah. you. I appreciate you putting that out there because um, I know that I know that sometimes what can happen with the right um, it happens more on the right is that they kind of they kind of look at abortion as very logical and you know here's when the heartbeat is and you know here's when the yeah. hands and toes all very important stuff by the way right. very right, very right. important but I think sometimes it's all logic and there really is no acknowledgement of any sort of emotion or the, or the practical of what's going on. Mm-hmm. So, um, the mom, mind. yeah, the mom behind all of this, there's mm-hmm. a story and it's not just her, there's a dad, you know, so many times I've ended up talking to men who still are hurting 20, 30, in one case recently, 40 years after driving a girlfriend to have an abortion or paying for an abortion, you know, and being able to remind him um, of the graces that, that can be found um, yeah. is pretty special. And so, um, you know, abortion has personally impacted over a quarter of our nation by this point. No matter who you're talking to, any group, you're talking to people who have experienced this. But we have a God who is greater mm-hmm. and full of grace. And uh, also, one last thing before we move on, 
if I, if anyone in the sound of my voice is facing an unexpected pregnancy, um, I would send you to optionline.org. Um, and that is a website where you can type in your zip code and pull up pregnancy resources that are available to mm-hmm. you. That's great. Um, Nationwide. Nice. Nice. Um, and we'll also put that in the description as well. Awesome. Um, I had something, but I think it can wait a little bit. Connor, do you have anything? Uh, yeah, maybe a little bit more of a difficult question. I guess we'll see. Um, but I remember talking with friends and or trying to figure out what the best way was to frame yeah. the idea of abortions. And currently, I mean, especially on the right, it's it's stop abortion, stop abortions. But maybe you know, that's maybe that's putting a Band-Aid over a larger symptom, which is that the left dehumanized infants. Right. that are pre-born. So it might be a better goal to go about humanizing. So I wanted to ask you mm. I wanted to ask you about how people might be able to go about that because we we, we can go through the the weekly uh you know what the baby looks like at every week along the way right. and that still doesn't seem to have the effect that you would think it would. Um but in a, in a similar narrative, I heard you mention that instead of thinking about which states are going to be pro-abortion, it's which ones are going to be saving lives. And I'm kind of curious, how does that change the methodology for how your organization tackles those issues in states? Because to me, the, the methods would probably stay the same. I mean, maybe it's a positive and happier outlook on things, but how does that really impact what you guys do? Well, here's the thing. Every year, one million women seek abortion in the United States of America. Okay, the reasons why they are seeking abortion don't change. Mm-hmm. No law changes that. No law, no law that either bans or doesn't ban abortion is going to change her situation, where in many cases, dire financial distress and circumstances are making, making her feel like she cannot parent this child, or just an overall narrative in our society that... Um, you know, that female fertility is something to be uh, managed rather than celebrated. Mm -hmm. That the male body is what is normal and that the female body experiencing pregnancy is not. Mm -hmm. So we're not only talking about the very important issue of the worth and the dignity of that precious child, we're also talking about our society which now treats pregnancy, unexpected pregnancy, as a problem to be, quote, solved. And abortion never solves anything. It is not a solution to a problem. So we've got to turn that on its head. But, you know, Connor, what you were talking about, you know, our little ones, it's interesting, you know, from, from our perspective, we're there to address the reasons why she is seeking that abortion. And mm-hmm. yes, we do have a policy arm, uh, which is very active in supporting the Texas Heartbeat Bill and active in other states, uh, not only in supporting legislation that will protect as many preborn children as possible. That's what we're going to that's what we're, we're going to advocate for, um, but also some really unique, innovative legislation uh, in a few states. We've run uh, something called the Every Mother Matters Act. Emma heard of it. Yep. I have uh, not. Cool. <laughs> I have not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which adds in uh, to, you know, it, it basically adds into her informed consent as she's seeking an abortion uh, that she calls a number and is offered resources. Because mm. in so many cases, 
women feel like they're headed one direction and there's no other way that they can go. They mm-hmm. don't know that they have options and they don't know that there's people out there that will help them. In addition to our clinics and our partner clinics, there are almost 3,000 pregnancy resource centers in the United States of America. So they're, they're, they're in so many communities around these nations and, and, and th- these are individuals that help women all day, every day with their real felt needs. And so we say we're going to be there with you uh, rather than offer you this one so-called solution. Do you know the uh, ratio between clinics like yours that are that are helping women versus Planned Parenthood? I do. Um, I actually have it somewhere in my notes. Yay! I mean, we love notes. I'm embarrassingly I, yeah. looking at right now. No, because <laughs> I'm, no, I'm curious. Have. Here we go. Pro-life pregnancy centers uh, and community-based health clinics uh, outnumber Planned Parenthood facilities fourteen to one. Now that's, that's, that's more than double what I was now, thinking. Now yeah. that's now that's a that's a clip right there. If we're gonna put anything out there, that's <laughs> because here's here's my thing, and I was gonna play a little devil's advocate with you because okay. I'm trying to I want to represent the left as best as I possibly can. I mean that I really do. Like take their arguments, all the things I've heard because they're very loud. They're very very loud. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, and so I want to I want to address their arguments seriously. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest arguments that I get um, from the left is they're like, well, you know. They can't, you know, they can't take care of this kid. You know, they just, they just can't do it. And, you know, they're, they're single. Mm-hmm. And like, how are they supposed to get along with their, with their lives? And like, there's no resources out there. And it's just, it's just not right. It's just not a good thing for them. And so mm-hmm. we need to, we need to, you know, we need to take care of the mom in this situation. Like the mom is the most important thing. Um, you know, I th- even think I heard someone kind of almost make the implication and well, they did make the implication that, um, a child that's born to a single mom is less valuable than a child that's born to a to a two income two parent family. Um, basically, saying you know, if, like maybe if the maybe if the the kid had two parents, you know, maybe it'd be okay if they were born. Right. Um, but but the ones, but they don't, and so we need to you know we need to think about the mom. What exactly would you say to that argument? I would say that abortion, of course, ends the life of a preborn child, but abortion harms women too okay we have decades now of experience and knowing that that women have in many cases long-term physical and psychological impact from abortion again it is sold as a as an easy fix okay well you know we'll take care of this you'll be back at work the next day it's no big deal but women who have experienced abortion say otherwise and the left tries to shut down these very courageous voices of post-abortive women who are like, uh-uh, so that was not my experience. And I don't mean to interrupt you, but I do. I, well, I do mean to interrupt you. That's why I did. It's okay. Um, okay. But um, I know this might be a little bit of a sensitive thing, but when you say that these women, what exactly with this abortion, with these abortions, what are they experiencing pain-wise, like in regards to physical pain? Um, and then what is kind of overall the emotional pain, like from what you've gathered? I know it's a little graphic, mm-hmm. um, but I want to ask the question because I kind of want to take that veil away a little bit. Right. Um, if right. you're comfortable. Well, having not experienced one myself, you know, my, my report is from talking to women sure. over the years. Some personal friends of mine and some women that, that I've just met out in the community, church, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, much of it depends on the type of abortion that's done. You know, with, with a surgical abortion, uh, you have um, the, the cervix is softened, and then you have instruments that are put inside 
with varying degrees of anesthesia. Um, and, and basically the baby, depending on the size of the baby and the gestation is either suctioned out of the womb or if the baby has grown too large, then they have to dismember the baby and then they suction out the parts of the baby. So like they literally so, put, they suction it. Yes, like they it's like a vacuum type suction. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Unplanned by Abby Johnson, who is a former Planned Parenthood worker. I've heard of her. I've not seen that movie. And um, I think that they handle that scene in a way where you can get a sense of the trauma mm-hmm. and get a sense of what's done uh, without actually showing it. Mm-hmm. Um, with the chemical abortion, um, the at-home abortion, I guess you could say it's a two-step process. And so the first pill um, basically m- reduces the amount of progesterone in the body mm-hmm. um, and um, makes the uterus very you know, inhabitable for the child. And then two or three days later, there's another pill uh, that causes the child to be expelled. And so you're talking contractions. You're talking, Mm. um, you know, women who typically have more painful menstrual periods have a much more painful time with Mm -hmm. this. Um, Doubled over in pain on the bathroom floor. Um, Hemorrhaging is a possibility. Everyone bleeds quite a bit. Um, It's... It's a difficult process, and and with no follow-up medical care, you don't know if it's complete. The risk of infection is very, very real. So hang on. So if I so if I go to a Planned Parenthood and I say I want a chemical, I want a chemical abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, they give me these pills, and so I take that second pill, and I'm having you know some complications. Not bad enough to go to the ER, but I'm having complications. Could I just call the Planned Parenthood? Like, would they help? Like. I know you're not a Planned Parenthood worker, but no. like, what's the, I mean, what's kind of the, what's the word on the ground? Like, I'm do sure they actually help? Like, I'm if sure there's goes a wrong? protocol there, um, but what we've heard from women is many cases they do seek follow-up care in emergency rooms. Mm. Wow. Um, okay. You know, but again, the abortion industry fights regulation and reporting <laughs> requirements everywhere we turn, and so mm-hmm. we really don't know how many. We don't have an accurate number. That's a big problem. That's a problem. Yeah. Exactly. Because we don't know really what is going on here. You know, and in some states we would, and in some states we wouldn't. Other countries do a better job of reporting abortion complications and are a little further along than us in some of this and do report a much higher rate of complications than, than we would be able to verify here just mm. because of the lack of reporting requirements and the accuracy required there. Yeah, it seems, I mean, it seems a little, it seems a little sketchy to me, just a little sketchy. Um, like women I'm, deserve better. Here's the thing, women deserve better. And here's, and here's what I'm thinking too, you know, I hear all these different arguments and to a certain extent, I hate to say it like, but I think there's a level of, they genuinely do care. It seems like they genuinely care about the mom in their ignorance, is the key because I think, you know, they really do believe that if if this woman gets an abortion, right, that her life will be better. Like they really believe that. Right. They're she, like, yeah, that she needs that in order to be able to fully participate in society, like we said earlier. Right, mm-hmm. and so like to a certain extent, some of the people that I see, I I understand that they are coming from some level of compassion, but it's very very ignorant um, because if we 
And this is the thing that the media does is they don't like to talk about these stories about these women that get abortions and regret it for emotional reasons. I mean, for obvious reasons, it doesn't, you don't need a study to know that if you, if you, you know, abort your, your unborn child, that you're going to have some complications emotionally, but they, they won't talk about the stories where there's actual medical complications. So this stuff doesn't make it out to people and they don't really have a good grasp of what an abortion actually means and what it actually looks what like. What it actually does. And also, you know, women in, you know, again, back to the pro-life movement being the pro-woman movement, um, how many times are women typically told still in our progressed society, well, you know, you didn't really feel that. You didn't really experience that. Okay. It happens every so often. Happens every so often. so often. Okay. So she has an abortion and she's she's going through trauma and she needs follow up care, follow up psychological care. No, 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 no. It's okay. You know, we're we're going to suppress your post abortive voice yeah. unless it fits our narrative. But the pro life movement comes along and says, you know what? Let us love on you. Yeah. Let let us refer you. You know, in our case. Uh, to several trusted post-abortive healing organizations that, that we have fully vetted, mm-hmm. that we partner with, you know, in order to be able to walk with her through this process to a point of healing because we love her too. Yeah. That's the thing. Um, and so, you know, we believe that her voice is important and we want, to, we want to hear her voice and we want to help her every step of the way. And that's, you bring up a very interesting point because, you kind of talk about like the woman having emotions and they kind of have to put that down. I think that, and this is just my opinion on it. Connor might have a different opinion on this, but um, I feel like this is part of the feminist movement of they want to be equal to men in every way. Um, But the truth of the matter is that men and women are different. Women have emotions. Not that men don't have emotions. You have emotions, Connor. Somewhere. Your emotions are valid. <laughs> Somewhere they're there. It's Somewhere. okay, Connor. <laughs> he, he has them down there. Good. I know he's, he has them. He's but, doing a great job. But that's the point, though, is that they're not the same. Like, women, there's a level of care and tenderness that women need, where in the feminist movement, it's like, no, we, we're the same as men. We can do the same thing. It's like, I hate to break it to you, but you can't. Like, and there are things that are different. Um, we are different, and we do bear children. And, you know, so basically what they're trying to do is, is saying that, you know, think about it this way. When is a man told that he needs to choose between his career and the life of his child? Well, I mean. Never. Right, because okay. cause women are different. Women because are the ones that's marrying our the, biology. Yes. Okay, so the message that you cannot have this child and have a career. You cannot have this child and be successful. Also, think about it this way. You know, now we have not only, you know, I mentioned California and New York. You're like, come here. You know, we're actually going to spend money to try to get you to come to our state to have an abortion. Now over 60 major companies and corporations have actually offered to pay for abortions Mm -hmm. for their employees. So think about where that's going to go, okay? So if a woman with an unexpected pregnancy, probably under a certain age, is walking around the office visibly pregnant, what are people going to be thinking? Why didn't she take care of that? They would have given her $5,000 to go take care of this. Okay. Also, think about it from an employer's perspective. It's cheaper for them to get an abortion for the woman than to give her unpaid, excuse me, paid uh, maternity leave. Where do our conversations go about paid leave? Where do our conversations go about pregnancy discrimination in the workplace? You can't have it both ways. Yeah. 
No, that's and that's that's exactly right. Yeah, that's one area that I've definitely been on board with the feminist movement is when they do want to be mothers, they're very persistent about wanting that maternal paid leave and they right. want it to be more than two right. weeks. Exactly. And, and, and that is something that, you know, I believe slowly but surely starting to have some more conversations with conservatives along these lines, okay, who are realizing, you know, that that's an important investment in the early age of a child's life. Um, there was a speaker at the Students for Life conference that I attended on Sunday, a uh, really uh, amazing young lady named Anna from the Clapham Group, and she said that one in four women in the United States of America go back to work seven to ten days after childbirth. So the United States can do better than oh, this. Oh, for sure. Well, you know, I, we I certainly can. I do know in Germany, like, apparently, like, you have to, like, take... And and don't one hundred percent quote me, but it's crazy. Like it's almost like two or three months before they give birth. Um, and if like if they're caught, yeah, look it up because I was I was actually talking to someone who's who's from there, um, who was telling me about this. And like if you get caught, like if they find you in the workplace, oh like it's no, it's just, it's like a whole it's wow. a whole situation. It's a cultural thing. Yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is like pretty much with women in America. Um, do you have it yeah. there? Uh, six weeks before the birth and eight there weeks we go. after. Yeah. yeah. That's so yeah. again, it's about you're looking about a couple months before mm-hmm. the baby is born mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. afterwards. And then America I mean, not that I'm even against it. I'm like unless I have to be on bed rest, be like, I'll just keep working. Like it's fine. It doesn't doesn't bother right. me. But that might right. again, that might be a cultural thing. Well, and somebody um, has to pay. You know, in many of these cases that's a government subsidy. But what are some things that we could do maybe tax credits, some sort of incentive for employers, some sort mm-hmm. of make it easier to be able to access certain insurance plans for short-term disability. That's the only way I had any maternity leave almost 20 years ago yeah. with short-term disability. You know, it counted under that. Mm-hmm. You know, but, but what can we do to at least move the needle the right direction here? Um, you know, and, and also to address the issues that our clients are facing, this housing crisis. I was, okay. yeah, I was going to ask you about that to get into that. And, yeah. You know, it's interesting because this is something that, you know, conservatives, it's not like, oh, you know, let's sit down and talk about affordable housing. But I think we are starting to hear more of these conversations. And so that's a reason why it's important to have people in the public square who are serving these women. Mm-hmm. and see these needs, mm-hmm. we're very, very woman-focused in what we want to do. Um, and so, you know, I believe that we can figure this out. I believe that that collectively we are smart and we can figure out how to address these needs without adding new government programs, without taking out taking away the rights of employers. Let's, let's think innovatively. Let's think proactively. Let's think outside the box and work together as much as possible. And I know that people like to say that, and they don't really t- like to do it. Um, no, you make... Listen. But we need, we need to do that. Yeah. Our citizens deserve that. Um, and, you know, we... We want to have those conversations and, um, you know, are, are ready to do that, position yeah. to do that well. Yeah, and, you know, it's not just people, you know, not just public figures. I think um, I think it's honestly, and this is kind of something that the right, again, I like to call it the right too, where I think it matters. And I feel like sometimes people just post stuff. They just post stuff about being pro-life. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. You know, and granted, you can't be super actively involved in every issue. Right. It's very hard. Right. But what I am saying is like, if, let me just play like this. If you are going to be so vocal about something, it would make sense that that vocalness is equally matched by action. I feel like that's a fair ask. 
I think it's a fair yeah. ask. And so I mm-hmm. think if you are someone who says I'm pro-life and you know, you're, you're making a lot of noise about it. Good, good. But match that with some action. And I think that sometimes where leftists get a little upset. Granted, the left does the same thing too. Yeah. But regardless, it's funny, the issues are on both sides. But I think this is a very valid point where there's people like you who are doing a lot of amazing things. And there's tons of people that the left won't even acknowledge that's doing amazing things. Oh, right. They yeah. don't want to talk about like the Helping amount of resources. Women. Yeah. <laughs> the, like the amount of resources was, what was it 14 to 1? Yeah. Yeah. Like that's insane. Like that's a ton of resources. The media won't cover that. The media won't talk about it. Oh, no. It. No, 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 no. Yeah. Well, and, and meanwhile, do you guys receive any money from the government? Depends on the state. Depends on the state. Depends on the state. Because it does so depend, if, I guess, if it's more, if it leans more conservative, I'm going right. to imagine that you're going to get more money. Right. So 14 states have alternatives to abortion programs. And so these look differently. In some states, they'll use federal TANF funds. Can you name a couple states. of the states? Texas would be the most notable. Of course, okay. it's Texas. Of course. <laughs> they have the they largest alternative to abortion program uh, in the nation, I think, to the tune of around a $120 million investment. And so that is all poured into resources for women facing unexpected pregnancy. Um, North Carolina has 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 a state funded alternatives to abortion program now. So okay, a little surprised you know, by that, I yeah. guess. So the the you know it, it, that money can be used to for our continuum of care program, mm-hmm. the one that, mm-hmm. that the social workers offering the resources to women and the support to women. And so you know, but in some states that'll never be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we don't let that deter us. Uh, we can still go into a state. We can still reach women online while they're searching for abortion. Um, and we can still provide them the care and the resources that we need. We'll just not do it with state funds. Yeah. Now, how do those uh, state funds or even federal funds compare with what Planned Parenthood oh receives from the government? Because it seems the government has just <laughs> picked an organization that's not government affiliated as far as I know. Or they're government affiliated, but they are not government. And they have kind of declared them their champion for abortions, which yeah. gives them all sorts of publicity and funds that not everybody else has, even though you have 14 to 1. It is truly mind-boggling. It is. Um, and, you know, there, there is no comparison, I guess, in the funding. Uh, but when you think about the impact that we have, I think it's pretty amazing uh, when you think about that. Um, but, um, yeah, it would be phenomenal uh, for Planned Parenthood to, to not receive the millions and millions of dollars that they do. Um, but it's all under the umbrella of so-called reproductive health, but the vast majority of what they do is abortions. Yeah. I was going to say, reproductive means that you're actually reproducing and then giving birth. I mean, this and is the sad thing, and this is it's one of the hardest statements to say, like, you are going to, a baby is going to come out of you. The question is, is it going to be alive or is it going to, it's going to be dead? Well, you have two options you yeah. know, when, when you're in that situation. Also, I'd like to point out, you know, that, that why don't we give more funds to the 5,300 federally qualified healthcare centers that we have in the United States? A lot of people don't know about these centers. I didn't know about yeah, these centers. Yeah, I learned about them when I worked for Congress and toured some. And, and these are, these are, these are healthcare centers uh, that are usually either no cost or very, very low prorated costs. And they do the full gamut of pregnancy mm-hmm. testing, SED testing, prenatal care. That they stuff just, is expensive, they just too. Don't do abortion. 
Yeah. So why, why not give funds to yeah. to to groups like that mm. who are providing care for low income women, but they don't do abortions. It's just it's not even like a politically affiliated thing. They're just providing care and lack of a very powerful lobby, I guess you could say. So that's just you know. But at the end of the day, we can all do something, okay, to try to move that needle. Every single life is precious. Every single mom is precious. So there is something that everyone can do, you know, like you were saying, you know, who is pro-life. And it could be a small thing. It could be praying for people that are full-time in the pro-life movement. Praying is a huge thing. It's the biggest thing. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, This is, there's a spiritual warfare around this. It's very real. It's very powerful. But we know, we know that this is a battle we've already won. Okay. Uh, We are, we are just called to fight in this moment. Um, and you know, it's a privilege to walk alongside her, uh, in any way that we can. And so, you know, people can, can donate to their local pregnancy resource center. Um, they can advocate for good policies that support moms and pregnant women. Um, in, in many cases, it's just a matter of being a compassionate listening ear. I've talked to so many women who were, you know, in a situation where they were considering abortion, you just, because of, difficult circumstances and that one friend that one friend is like you know what let's see if we can figure figure this out you know let's let's see if we can find some people that will help you be that friend because maybe that's what that mom needs you know because what if you know what you said is true they're getting the abortion really because of their circumstances Mm -hmm. and they really just don't think that there's another way there's mm-hmm. another way out, and you have an entire media telling them there's not a way exactly. out. And then you have mm-hmm. their family. What if you have that one friend that's just, like, kind of saying what they want to hear? They want to hear, yeah. you can do this. Like, yeah. you can have this child, and let's let's and let me lay out these resources for you to actually help you. Exactly. Um, I think that in itself is very powerful. Exactly. You could be the friend that goes to optionline.org. You know, I know I'm, I mentioned that earlier for women facing unexpected pregnancy. Everyone write that down, yeah. you know, and have that <laughs> handy for when you're having that conversation. You know, and the guys too. You could be talking to your guy friend whose girlfriend is pregnant. You see what I'm talking yeah. about here? Yeah, there's, yeah. and there's, that's the things like we can't just leave it up to organizations. Like, yes, organizations very important. What you mm-hmm. guys do, incredibly important. Mm-hmm. But someone's got to get them there too. Exactly. And that's why you don't, you don't have necessarily even like, you know, be a part of these organizations, but almost being pro life minded um, and how you talk to someone who's pregnant considering an abortion. You know, I think that's, mm-hmm. that stuff is really important too. Mm-hmm. I see Connor's been pulling up um, something line. about some, yeah. some revenue yeah. here. There you go. I see where well, you can revenue, type but in. I also wanted to pull up option line here yeah. as well. Yeah. So I did want to see. This is the website you were talking about? Yes. And so you can type in your zip code mm-hmm. and, um, It'll pop up. That's run by a group called Heartbeat International. It's a good friend of ours. Wow. With a nationwide reach. So, I mean. pretty special. I mean, but look at this, though. Like, those are very, those are all incredibly close together. Yeah. Right. Um, And obviously, I know this is just one area, so it can vary. I understand that. But this is pretty good overall. It's huge. And about 80% of pregnancy resource centers do ultrasounds. So, your chances of finding someone that will be able to do an ultrasound um, pregnancy resource centers offer free ultrasounds they do not charge for this service right right mm-hmm. um you know we use uh licensed sonographers you know the whole nine yards can you look in um, california connor uh sacramento uh, if it'll will it search by city or just just zip code I have no idea. You'll have to find, find out. out. Why I do you want Sacramento so bad? I don't know. Just, I was thinking of an area in California. 
I think the only California zip code I know is 90210, but that's because of a TV show. In it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just I just want to see a couple different that. states to see mm-hmm. what that. that looks like. Yeah. So that's uh, life-saving work right there in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, incredible. Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. That is Look a, at that. That is a ton. Yeah, go Texas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Chicago. That's yep. awesome. Yeah, we partner so with a number of those. There are more Pro-lifers. resources out there. And this is what I'm talking about. It's like yeah. even even pro-lifers. I think part is because we don't know that these exist. Right. This is a fantastic resource right. um, that will make sure that we plug this. Maybe mm-hmm. not just even in the description, but mm-hmm. maybe even uh, mm-hmm. make a make a resource article. Because this is awesome. That's a, a ton of resources. It's yeah, a no, that is a ton of help. It's an absolute ton. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. Now you mentioned the uh, the income stuff. So they're talking about 2014 to 15 fiscal year. Out of a hundred or out of 1.29 billion in revenue, 553.7 million was reimbursement from the government. Wow. For care like Medicaid, Medicare, uh, whatever services Planned Parenthood provided. And that was probably that was before the uptick. Their number two revenue generator right now, uh, according to what I read recently, is distributing hormones. So, so Which plan, type of hormones? Planned Parenthood is a source for hormones for gender transition. Really? Okay. So puberty blockers? Yes. It's yep. almost like Planned Parenthood really likes making money. They like to yeah, make think. money. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also like they're going to sterilize and kill off their entire population of customers. Yeah, and, and that's the thing with Planned Parenthood is like obviously, obviously most, most pro-lifers know this. If you don't know this by now, you should, about Margaret Sanger was eugenics. Yep, she was trying to. She also trying to get rid of um, the black race. That was her. That was her thing. That was her goal. That's how she planned everything. So it's the most. It's one of the most racist based, biggest uh, organizations out there. Right up there with the KKK. They just honestly though, don't like, have government funding. And but they just hide in plain sight though. That's presence. what's a shame is that they just they they're in plain sight. They don't even have to hide it. They don't even have to oh, hide no. it. No, not at all. And but it's shameful. Every day we get up and we do what we do. We love women well and save their preborn children and celebrate <laughs> life at every stage. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, a lot of people think it's a political issue. I, I applaud you guys for having this conversation because a lot of people don't like to, even though it did raise an awareness significantly after Dobbs. You know, mm, for I'm sure. sure. I'm you know, sure it did. Yeah, people are talking about abortion that don't want to and normally wouldn't. Okay, yeah. so I applaud you for tackling this. But it's not a political issue. Mm-hmm. It is the greatest human rights abuse of our time. Mm-hmm. And so our approach to this is from a position of justice. Mm-hmm. It's from a position of compassion. It's from a position of real inclusiveness. Right. <laughs> okay. Right. Of real tolerance. Of saying, you know what? Regardless of the circumstances of your conception, regardless of who your mom is or what her socioeconomic status is, you're valuable. Yeah. Every single human being is valuable and worthy of dignity and respect that we can't even begin to measure bearing the image of God. Mm-hmm. And so um, embracing that image of God in every single person, celebrating the beauty and the goodness of every single life, that's a positive message. That is the message of the pro-life movement. And that is what we live out all day, every day as we care for women and their preborn children. 
Yeah, yeah. And I, I appreciate you saying it's not a political issue because it really isn't. And we even touched on a couple of subjects.